Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations. Another episode of Fangs Up here. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about FAMU football, especially relating to recruiting. We're also going to talk about FAMU track. We have a track athlete that went to the Nationals. We also are going to talk about the Marching 100. They're going back to France. And we're going to go inside the den and say, who's the man in the receiver's room? And we're going to look at the top returning players from the FAMU receiving room. That being said, Let's get it started. And FAMU had multiple football visits this week. Uh, If you're like me, I'm excited about recruiting. I love the growth of the program. I love what I've seen in contrast to what I've seen in previous years. I've said it many times before, but FAMU has been uber aggressive in its recruiting of student athletes and its pursuit for the best players. We're seeing that being a point of a point of I'm looking for the word, but the word I'm looking for is emphasis. We're looking for the best players that are going to be able to play division one football at Florida A&M university. One is going to be Colin Simmons. Now he went on a visit. He's the number one defensive end in the nation. Six, three, 210 pound from Duncanville high school. And he's a 2024 recruit. And the big thing with this, I liken this to when Thibodeau came to FAMU. We, we've we heard from some people like, oh, yeah, he just came to FAMU. He did. And it was a good look for FAMU. It gave us some great attention as far as from recruiting individuals who were interested in the program and who may have never heard about the program were now introduced to what FAMU had to offer or has to offer. And personally, I think that's a good thing. It's a very good thing to get some press. All press is not good press, but getting attention and people to see that FAMU is a viable program that can recruit four and five star athletes, in my opinion, is a good thing. Now, whether or not we sign them or not is a whole nother thing. I'm not going to argue with you that Colin Simmons is going to sign with FAMU. I'm not going to make that argument. Now, whether an athlete like this commits to a FAMU and draws attention similar to what we saw with Travis Hunter and Florida state is a different story because as bad as that situation went for Florida state, they still got a really good corner. They got a corner out of Niceville. They got other guys that were looking at the program that were like, uh, I'm coming and I'll sign. And then when Hunter doesn't sign, it kind of goes left for them. But that attention is something that is needed. And maybe with our, future athletic director it inspires them to continue to invest in the program and alumni like me to continue to invest in the program i stated in the previous episode on thursday i'm financial i can fuss 
I am a member of the Alumni Association. They got me for my $100, and I'm not mad at it. I want it to go to the university, and part of the reason is so that we can grow our programs, but especially so that we can grow our enrollment and our number of students that we have on campus. Now, let's talk about some of the students who were offered this past week. I believe we've already offered um, Simmons, pretty sure, Uh, but... Jamar Malone, 6'3", 205-pound quarterback from Higley High in Gilbert, Arizona. He's a 2025 recruit, and he's starting to get quite a bit of attention. I I don't anticipate him signing with FAMU just because of the attention that he's garnering and the number of schools that are currently and actively recruiting him. They just we're not able to compete facilities-wise. We're not able to compete NIL-wise. And... I'm wondering if that becomes a question uh, going forward, just because that guy is a nice size quarterback, 6'3", 205, but also he's getting attention from larger schools and larger programs. So we're going to see with that. I I, I definitely am going to always keep it a buck with y'all and ask that question when I see a student that has a lot of offers from some power five, but even some G5 schools, Um, some G5 schools. I'm not I'm not even looking at you. We'll, We'll get on that later. Another gentleman is going to be Christian Anderson. He's a 6'6", 285-pound offensive tackle, and he's transferring from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And he's from Metropolitan Atlanta, and it's a good size. The guy's got offers from multiple schools, especially multiple HBCUs. I didn't see where he played a lot last year. I don't know if he's transferring because of playing time or if he's transferring because he just wants a different vibe, but he's, he's on the market. And he's out there and FAMU is actively recruiting. I've said it once. I've said I'll say it again. FAMU is a team that likes to run the ball. Despite Willie Simmons being a a quarterback and maybe having a quarterback mindset for some, FAMU likes to run the ball. We ran the ball for over 2,000 yards last year. We had a 1,000-yard rusher. FAMU is going to aggressively seek to run the ball. And... That should be no shock. That should be no surprise to anybody who is familiar with the program. You're going to notice that FAMU's best times are when we have a good running back. Even in the Gulf Coast era, FAMU always had a good running back. We had the Rack Boys that were just tearing it up, but you always had a running back that went along with it. It's it's just a thing. When FAMU wins its national championship, it's an option offense. So running the ball and success go they they go in they go they tie in together they go hand in hand the run game and defense travel if you can't throw the if you can't throw the ball that's fine but if you can't run the ball it's a problem we we've seen when fame you had was overly reliant on the passing game that's part of why we lost to Young, Youngstown State during the Billy Joe era because we could not run the ball and we didn't run the ball we threw the ball too much uh the, another guy though is going to be Tory Q, and I may be butchering his name, Bateman. He's a 6'7", 308-pound offensive lineman, and he's a transfer student. He's transferred from Troy, Fort Scott Community College, as well as Louisville. And he's from Gaston, Alabama. And we're going to see. Again, I don't have a good measure on him just because I haven't watched a lot of his film. But he's got good size, and he has played high-level Division I football. Experience matters. There's a difference. The experience that we see from anyone who knows what they're doing 
definitely trumps when someone is just a better athlete sometimes. And so hopefully a good athlete with a level of experience can come into FAMU and again, come into those trenches. We got another big guy again, six, seven, three Oh eight. That ain't small. Now, next guy is going to be Daryl Middleton. He's a six, seven, 305 pound defensive lineman. He's bounced around a lot. He started East Mississippi. Then he went to Tennessee, went to West Virginia, played three games, didn't stay. And now he's committed to Jackson state. So, I don't think we're going to get him. I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I think the Jackson State commit is kind of his his last hurrah. Unless something goes south between him and Prime. FAMU doesn't have a big history, especially in this modern era of signing players that kind of not only bounce around, but bounce around and you got questions. Um, I'm just saying so that that's not part of Willie Simmons modus operandi, whereas at Florida, at Florida State, Jackson State, Dion has signed some guys with checkered pass. I mean that that defensive lineman he signed from Florida State got a pass. Like I, I mean, I'm not trying to say anything mean about the guys. It's public record. Like it is what it is, dude. Like we're not attacking you. We're just pointing out the facts that it's out there. I'm not even going to say his name. Google it. Uh, but I don't think that's something I've seen from FAMU. I'm not going to say it's past FAMU though. I'm not going to say well Willie Simmons would never. He would never, ever do that. Not Willie Simmons. He didn't draft that guy. And recruit him. I, I never knew. No, no. And I definitely stole from Tony Baker um, with the I never knew my favorite comedian. Uh, but he wouldn't. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in an honest moment that if you look at FAMU's roster and even the transfers, it's not a lot of guys that have had that. Oh, man, I, I got kicked out of school or. I, I, I had to go to court. I had, it's not a lot of that. It's a lot of maybe them and the coach didn't vibe. Something didn't go well between them and the leadership there. And now they're coming to FAMU. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. Next one is going to be Ahmed Haston, a 6'2", 190-pound quarterback from Palm Beach Central High. 2023 recruit. He's a UMass commit. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I got no respect for UMass as a football fan um, just because they they're kind of a terrible football program. They went one and 11 last year. They're an FBS independent, meaning they play whoever they want. Their stadium, McGurk Alumni Stadium, is smaller than Bragg, 17,000. Bragg Stadium is going to be reduced to about 23 to 22,000. FAMU's Bragg Stadium was at 25. So you're talking about a F. BS program that has a larger stadium than an FCS program and is in a conference that to me that that makes a difference like okay yeah you're not in a conference that's not the end of the world but the big thing is not only are you not in a conference but you're not in a you're not in a conference and you're not an independent like Notre Dame you're not like BYU and BYU is moving to a conference like it, it makes a difference because you're convincing students to go to this program and you just fired your coach, Walt Bell, that they had from Florida State and Florida State laid a molly whopping on them. I think it was 59 to three and Florida State wasn't good last year. And I'm not saying that as a person that I love FAMU and FSU football. I asked my wife about what happened at that Miami game. I, I was I was I was excited. I was I was turned up. Y'all. I, whoa. I was happy. So 
but we're seeing that I don't think this is going to be a lasting commit. I'm just saying, I think Hastings, if he gets a better offer, he takes it. And I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with y'all. If the fam you offer gets good, he stays. I, I just cannot see him staying at UMass for four years. Nobody from UMass is going to the NFL. Nobody from UMass is getting a look. You don't have anybody fighting for the program. You don't have anybody trying to advocate for schools like that. What is the enticing thing about UMass over Florida A&M besides the fact that they're an FCS program? And for lack of a better term, they need to drop down to FBS. It's, it's not working. They hadn't had a winning season in 10 years. They're not going to have a winning season. Look at their roster. Look at their schedule. Not saying they got bad players, but I'm saying their schedule is not going to support it. They're not going to be able to beat teams like Liberty and things like that. Not because they haven't done it, but they ain't going to do it. It's it's not going to happen. Like, let's let's pull it up real quick. They played New Mexico State, who went two and ten and lost forty four to twenty seven. There is no schematic advantage t- taking place here. There is no, in any way, shape, or form, justifiable reason that they should be out recruiting us. They're not going to beat Tulane. They, I doubt they beat Toledo. They may beat Stony Brook, and that's a team at a lower level. And they'll probably struggle with that game. They're probably going to lose a Temple. Eastern Michigan's probably a loss. They're going to get their butts whooped by Liberty. Buffalo's probably a loss. We'll see about New Mexico State, but they got Molly Wap last year. Like, you're literally looking at a football team that you can guarantee two wins. And one of them, Texas A&M is going to lay 60 on them. If you draw on the betting line and it's less than 60, put some money on it. Like, I'm just saying, like, those kind of teams should not compete with FAMU in recruiting. Because really, they shouldn't even be at the FCS level. That's the same as when FAMU went to FCS. That junk didn't last. It didn't work. It wasn't well thought out. wasn't well planned. It was with an, with a lot of promises and not a lot of follow through. And I'm just saying, like, teams like UMass, we shouldn't we shouldn't have to worry about. I can respect UConn because UConn at least put some money in it. Research Stadium's nice. They put they they have some backers, but UMass trash. Like nah, I'm not even being like funny. Like that's that's not competitive. Like I, I'm not I'm not challenging the kids' decision. I'm just saying, as a recruiting profile, that's those are things I throw out there. Those are things I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Florida Classic. They don't have a classic. They getting classic butt whoopings. That's it. Drop 70 on UMass. We're here for it. Okay. Only film you're putting out there is bad film. Because guess what? When you're playing Texas A&M, your offensive line can't block for you. Your receivers can't get off the line. And the corners are going to eat you up. And guess what? The result of a quarterback who struggles to have protection and whose receivers can't get off the ball, sacks and interceptions and a low QBR. And all of a sudden, you got bad film on the field. Bad film is what's going to cause you not to go to the league. Just being real, man. Like, that's any position. Running back. Like, there, there's a reason some schools are just not going to be able to draw elite talent. And it's not just facilities. It's that you got bad film out there. Like, if you got great facilities, oh, but your, your coach is terrible, you're not going to win. Look at Florida State. Really nice facilities. Norvell ain't a bad coach, but I'm just saying the circumstances are what they are not gonna win a lot of games they win six wins i'm happy 
FAMU has lesser facilities, but within what they what what within what FAMU does, we have better talent. When you compare it to what level of football we're at, and sometimes I'll be honest, I don't love I don't love our coaches some of his plays. I hate that flipping screen pass. Oh, I hate the wide receiver screen. Call it the Willie screen because Willie Simmons and Willie Taggart used to run it. I'd be screaming a whole Saturday watching them like, oh, my gosh. I'm tired of the, like, the wide receiver screen. I understand why, though. You got short receivers. So they're short. They're fast. I got to get y'all the ball in space so you can make some moves. I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. Last recruit that we're going to talk about is going to be Amari Snowden. He's a 6'3", 185-pound defensive back from Roseville High in Roseville, Michigan. He's a four-star prospect. And just to be honest with y'all, we got to get up there and keep recruiting these kids from up north because they want to come back to the south. One, they're tired of the snow. It's cold. Like right now, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful up there. I mean, it's, you know, 70, 80-degree days some days, sometimes in the 90s, but they ain't getting that Florida 100-degree heat. But in the wintertime, they can't go to the beach <laughs> in the wintertime in Tallahassee. I mean, you can go to the beach once or twice. I ain't telling you you can go every day because some days in Tallahassee, it gets cold. Like December to January, that Hulk is out there. I'm, I'm not I'm not even on front. January ain't the month to be talking about. You're going to the beach in Tallahassee. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, bro. You might as well bring that thing down to central South Florida. Go to the beach. But it's a, you can at least make the drive three hours, two and a half. You're not making a drive up there from from Michigan. So we got to keep recruiting those kids. And again, I've stated it once. I've stated it before. FAMU continues to recruit across the nation. It is a national brand at this point with the help of ESPN and other outlets. FAMU is continuing to grow its market and we're getting better. I'm I'm just going to say we're getting better. I'm excited and uh, I hope you are as well. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break there, and we're going to talk about FAMU's track program, the Marching 100 going back to France, and then we're going to finish up. we talk about Inside the Den, three receivers that you need to know. This is Fangs Up. All right, y'all, welcome back. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about FAMU track really quickly. Our senior, Rachel Robertson, she was the only FAMU to go to the NCAA tournament in Eugene, Oregon. And she's six one senior, and she she did pretty well uh, considering considering it's the end of the year. You're going against the best of the best. She's going to finish in twenty first place. Which, if you're like me, you're like eh, that's not that good. But if you think about it though, nationally, out of the thousands of athletes, she finished in the top twenty five. Like if this were football, basketball. Or baseball, we'd be whistling Dixie. Like, we'd be screaming, FAMU's a top 25 program. And we have a top 25 athlete. And congratulations to Rachel. She tore it up all year. Senior, hoping, can she get a COVID year? New athletic director, assistant athletic director, Keith. Can she get another year? I'm just asking. Asking for a friend. The friend is me. But she she actually had a great year, and she's had a final score of 12.59 meters, which that's pretty far. I mean, that's, that's a good distance there. And she finished strong, again, finished in 21st. And the FAMU track program is hopefully hoping 
hopefully getting back on solid ground. As mentioned, we did get two recruits that signed from Jacksonville Reigns High School. Hopefully we continue to get some more high quality athletes because we've seen where we have been passed by other HBCUs, most notably North Carolina A&T. They, their track program, I'm very confident in saying, is one of the best, if not the best. I'm, 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 I'm shortening them. I'm sorry. It's the best HBCU track program. Their, their coach just got plucked by the University of Tennessee, which is what is supposed to happen. Some people are kind of upset that the brothers leave, and I'm like, why would you be mad? That's, what, that's what's supposed to happen. If you get a better job offer, you're supposed to leave. That's just natural. I mean, very few of us are going to turn down a better job offer to stay somewhere just to build a program in these days and times. I I mean, miss me with the Eddie Robinson stated grambling for so long. He did. But at the same point in, in segregation America at that time, what other options were there? And it's not the comfortable thing to say, and it's not PC, but it's it's proven a point. Jay Gaither stays at FAMU for a mighty long time. FAMU becomes this dominant program. There's nowhere else to go. He's only going to be able to go to another school that's another historically black college. So it behooves you to build your program, build your brand, because you have the cachet. You can recruit who you want. You're getting the best athletes at this time. Integration has not happened as of yet. And then even post-integration, you're still going to get some of the best. I It's just at a certain point, the stay at an HBCU till you die mindset has to die with it. We got to We got to continue to get the best and the brightest. And we have to become launching pads for coaches and athletes because that makes them want to go and stay. I don't want to go someplace where I'm not going to move forward. And we got to we have to create a brand and a program that is going to be a launch pad so that people not only want to come here, but they want to leave here and they want to grow from here and they want to bring their friends here because all of a sudden if FAMU is a place that I can grow and go from, then all of a sudden I'm attracting the best and the brightest because they're going to say FAMU is a place where I can win and FAMU is a place where I've grown. I have a master's degree. It's not from FAMU. My undergrad is from FAMU. But guess what? I rep FAMU. I don't, I don't rep my master's program. Now, if I see you in a room and all us talking, oh, you went there too? That's nice. But I went to FAMU. FAMU was a launching ground and it's home for me. But we have to continue to have that mindset that this is a place of growth. This is a place of evolution and a place of change. Otherwise, we're going to become stagnant and we're not going to be able to have people want us to come back and want us to do great things like we're seeing with the marching 100 and all three, 400 of them ain't going. It's only about 35 members from what I've seen, about 50 people in total are going back to France and they're going to be performing at the world famous Louvre Museum in uh, France, in Paris, France. And they were invited by Louis Vuitton. Yes, Louis Vuitton. You got to say it the right way. You know, I I extended my pinky when I said it, too. So if you got a visual, it was Louis Vuitton uh, for the Men's Paris Fashion Week show. And this is the 102nd time there. 
And this is going to be taking place on June 23rd in Paris. And this is not FAMU's first time. FAMU, if you remember, and if you're a FAMU historian and graduate and take pride in the university as I do, you'll remember that FAMU went to France for Bastille Day. And a fun fact, I learned this and I'm not going to lie. I read it from WCTV's page, uh, but and make sure I'm giving them the credit that I that they richly deserve. I don't want to steal somebody's information. But uh, Dr. Chipman performed in that 1989 Bastille Day Parade. Look at the videos. You'll see them playing James Brown, doing the dances and everything like that. I remember that vividly. Just even as a child, I was four or five. And it was big news. Like, fam, you was going to France, the band's there. And for years, Dr. Foster talked about it. And you're able to see the lasting effects of people like Dr. Foster on the program. And yes, I just talked about people should go and grow but he grew the band he grew the program and again even post integration i'm sure he had chances to leave after but he again built the program he built it to where he, he had all the cash that he wanted he, you got you you taking a 400 three a two 300 piece band or 200 member band over to france in the 80s come on man like but he has some pull so um that being said though looking forward to seeing that looking forward to seeing the videos if you are a member of the band staff and you hear this record 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 and post to social media y'all it's free advertising like social media is free advertising Let let's get in the habit of posting good things about famu i understand the financial aid got a little bit of issues right now Let, let's talk to dr robinson about that holla at larry and tell him what's going on and tell him to go get some help. Go talk to Florida State. See what they're doing over there. He used to work at Florida State in financial aid. They didn't have them problems for too long. We we had them. I ain't going to tell you, Florida State never had lines. That's a lie. They've had financial aid lines. They just don't keep financial aid lines. That's the difference. All right, y'all. That being said, that's my uh, off my tangent for the financial aid. But we're going to take a break. And we're going to finish off by going inside the den and seeing who's the man in the receiver room. Now, there's going to be one dude all of them are going to tell you about, but we're going to talk about the top three guys that you need to know about for this year that are returning. Now, the next show, we're going to talk about some guys that you need to keep an eye out for. But in that idea and in that space, this is Fangs Up. All right, we're back, y'all, and we are going inside the den. And the question is, who's the man? Who's the dude? Who, like, who, who's that guy? Like, there's always, anywhere you go, there's that guy. We've all known that one person that was that guy. Like, I remember when I played high school football, we had that guy. Like, you knew, walked off the bus, that dude was different. Antonio Cromartie was the guy in my high school. Like, that, he was that guy. He was, like, he was really nice, though. Like, if you met him back then, you'd be like, this dude, like, nah. You'd be like, he's he's just not that cocky. He was really down to earth, really great guy. Um, shout out Antonio if you're hearing this. Um, but he was just, he, when he walked off the bus, they teams knew that dude was different. Like and we had a couple of those guys uh, played with Gavin Dickey. He was another one that was like, you just had dudes that were like, yeah, that, that guy is different. Pat Watkins, that guy was different. Uh, but for FAMU, who's the man, who's the guy that you need to keep an eye out for, Who's the dude that is going to be 
talked about for most of the season or that you're kind of already hearing a name for. And I forgot to put their uh, <laughs> their jerseys on here so that that way it can help us all. First guy is going to be Xavier Smith. And sometimes you'll hear him called the X-Man. And that's just because it's lazy and his first initial starts with X. But Xavier Smith is number 19 currently. Now, if he changes his number, don't get mad at me. It's not my fault. But right now he's number 19. He's a 5'10", 170 pound receiver. And he played 11 games last year. He had 64 catches for 713 yards. He averaged 11 yards per catch and he averaged 64 yards per game. And that's pretty good. That's really solid. Like not, not, I don't know if that's close enough to say he almost had a thousand yards. He had three fourths of a thousand yards. There you go. Like there you go. It's not, it's all about how you sell it. Uh, And he was a big time player for us. Xavier was a guy that was consistently looked for and He's going to continue to be a guy that we look for. Uh, FAMU is going to be a program that is always going to want to run the ball, but we're also going to try to throw the ball. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. That is going to be something that is going to be done for FAMU as far as moving the offense forward. You you got to run the ball, but that that passing game is going to be there. It's part of – Coach Simmons DNA. It's part of the program's DNA. And again, the running game travels, but we're going to still have those short passes that I hate, especially the screen to try to give smaller receivers a chance to get in open space. Because when you give a smaller guy who's quick a chance to get open space, all of a sudden he may be able to get a block from another receiver or a tight end or a lineman and make a few moves and get a few yards, maybe break something nice. Whereas if you just catch him on a straight route, if he's going against a larger corner, it's it's going to be a little harder for that receiver to get the ball. So you, you kind of got to contend with that. I hate it. Um, not going to lie to you. I hate the screenplay. I understand the need for it, but I feel like we run it a lot. Just being honest. I think we run the, the screenplay a little too much. I understand why, but I don't like it. I'm just I'm just one of them. All right. Um, next guy is going to be Jamarie Sharid. And if you hear K dot, that's who K dot is. I, I'm like, they say K dot. And I'm like, whose name starts with a K? And or a, no, it, I'm pretty sure he looks somewhat like Kendrick Lamar. I'm speculating. I'm just going out on a limb. But K dot is Jamarie Sharid. He is number 10. So if you're looking at your roster or whatever he's number 10 he's a 5'7 175 pound receiver he played 12 games 55 catches 622 yards he averaged 11 yards per catch and 51 yards per game so again over 500 yards look at that it's it's how you sell it he went over 500 yards last year and he's not a huge receiver but I feel like He's going to be a guy that's also going to likely have an impact in the running game just because you look at his size. It, it tells you if he gets the ball in space, he can make some do some things happen and he can make some moves. But that's going to be the overall question. Can we get him the ball and can he get it in space? And furthermore, that's going to be the question as far as what happens with him in the NFL. Uh, I, I've heard some of his 
counterparts say, hey, this is one of the best receivers in the nation. That may be true, but size is still a thing. Uh, I'm just saying size is still a thing. People still look at it. It's not fair. I'm a dude that's below six feet, so I'm with him. But I'm just going to say I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. And, yes, Jamari Sharid did have uh, some rushes last year. Just double-checking his stats there. Sorry about that. 11 rushes and for 39 yards. So, meh, not a lot. Not not enough to make it up something that you do all the time, but something to give the defense something something different to look at. Got to keep the defense honest. If Otherwise, they're not going to play right, and we, we got to have them play right. Otherwise, it's going to be some problems. Last receiver, keep your eye on, is David Manigo. He's number 85, 6'3", 190. He played in 12 games last year, 31 catches, 365 yards, average 11 yards per catch, 30 yards per game. Those numbers don't shout out to you or they don't scream to you, hey, this is a major player for us. He was a major player because largely his size, he's going to force the bigger corner to be on him and he's going to open up space for him. He also may be the lead blocker on some of the screen plays. If I'm a defense, I'm definitely putting two corners over on that side and maybe even shade, even shading a safety over the top. Why? Because in the event they run the screen, I need one corner to catch or block Manigo. Then I need another corner to try to catch either Sharid or Xavier Smith. And then I need the safety to make the tackle. So that way I, I got two guys there. Now, will that potentially leave another guy open? Could be. But if I have him over there shading over, especially if the formation is set so that the running back is on the same side of the field. Now I can give it a look as if he's actually covering the running back when really he's just there to cover the uh, screenplay and to make sure we don't get blown up. So just kind of giving some ideas there. But fam, you've got some more. But wait, there's more. Um, and we're going to talk about those guys next time. But fam, you've got a big receiver that transferred in. He's got some nice stats. And we also have a couple other guys that you're going to look out for. So I'm going to give you in the next episode. Ah, I got I got one for sure. Uh, but I'm going to give you two guys to keep an eye out for. I may stretch it to three, but we have a couple guys that you're definitely going to want to keep an eye out for. And uh, again, family football is moving in the right direction. I feel like the Jackson State game is going to be better than a lot of people think it's going to be. Part of the reason we are recruiting offensive linemen so heavy is the anticipation that Jackson State's going to have a really good defensive line. They're going to be fast. I think the I think the advent of having smaller defensive ends in college football is going to eventually lead to a resurgence in teams or a resurgence in the number of teams running the ball. And I was going to say or return to running the ball. Because if I have a 210-pound defensive end who's very fast going against a 285 to 300-pound offensive lineman who's very strong, I'm going to put that fat ass on him. Excuse my French. But I'm going to put that fat dude on him. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. You can out-muscle him. Grab him, lean on him, pancake him. You get pancaked by a 300-pound dude and you're 220 pounds, eh, oh, nah, bro. I ain't gonna keep doing this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I'm just not doing it. So 
I, that that's just me. I, I I feel like that's gonna be the move going forward, and we're gonna continue to see that. You're gonna have wide receivers that are gonna be kind of shorter, not as tall, because big corners can move. But you're six two, you got more legs to move than me at five eight five nine. So out the break, throw a little move on you. The second I get a I get a little distance on you, throw the ball, hit the receiver in stride. All of a sudden. He's playing catch up and he may have a longer stride, but now he's trying to run through traffic. He's got to get through the trash to get to the guy. And that's where players like Xavier Smith and Jamari Sharid thrive because they can get in traffic. They can weave and cut through the people that are in front of them and then run to daylight. And that's what we have to do. Get those guys the ball in open space and be able to take advantage of that. That's going to be our keys to success going forward so your big three players to look for from the wide receiver room that are returning the x-man xavier smith k dot jamari sharid and david manigo you've definitely seen them manigo was actually featured last year on one of the coaches shows i believe k dot was as well as well as xavier smith so look out the coaches are telling you they're they're somebody to look at i'm telling you there's somebody to look at all things going well and barring in any type of uh, situations that are unfortunate these are going to be the guys to look for so y'all i'm excited we're going to have another show on thursday and we're going to do a little s- special sunday night shows a little sunday night recap it's going to be very similar to the uh podcast that you have audit the audio podcast but we're going to do our nightly sunday night recap and we're going to make that a thing all through football season so that being said, y'all, looking forward to seeing you tonight. I probably won't be this dressed up. I'm going to church, so got to look nice for the Lord. Uh, y'all have a wonderful day, and as always, it's Fangs Up. <laughs>